we'd like to welcome you back to part 5 of our current event and weekly Bible study for April 15th, 2018. I was going to play the whole, uh, I even started a, a part of this, where I was going to play this whole 28 minute clip, but the reality is, is we've already covered that ground. And this is a report by uh, Rick Wiles at True News TV, where it's entitled, Syria tells the United Nations America has the genetically modified super soldiers deployed in the country. And the pertinent that pertinent statement is covered at the end. Whereas the stuff that's before that, it's just it's stuff we've already pretty much covered today. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna go ahead and end uh, start this at the 22 minute 28 second mark, and let's see what the UN uh, Security Council has said. Now this is the same UN ambassador that Nikki Haley walked out in on, that I just reported in the previous uh, study. So uh, let's let's see what they have to say here. I got to move on to this uh, really weird story. The the ambassador, the Syrian ambassador to the United Nations, Dr. Bashar Jafari, made a cryptic remark uh, a few days ago at the United Nations. He was talking about that you know his nation was being falsely accused that these were false flag, fake chemical attacks, and you know, so, so you were listening to his comments, and it sounds you know normal what he's saying, but then he he mentioned genetically modified entities. Yes, and I had to stop and rewind and listen to it again, listen to it again, listen to it again. I, I want to play the video. Again, this is serious ambassador to the United Nations. We're only going to play the part where he's talking about genetically modified somethings in his country. Watch this. I say to Saudi Arabia today that we eliminated its terrorist tentacles in eastern Ghouta. And I mean now he's speaking in his language. This is an interpreter that you're hearing. This is Dr. Bashal Jafari, Syrian, UN, Syrian ambassador to the UN. And this is the one that Nikki Haley, our ambassador to the UN in America walked out on rudely wouldn't even listen to one word that the guy had to say and literally his country's done nothing and she thinks she has this moral high ground where you know they're a bunch of gas attacking butchers like Trump was talking I mean evidently they've all bought, bought into the into the lies every one of them Jaishal Islam gangs. Yes, we say to Qatar and Turkey that we eliminated their terrorist tentacles in eastern Ghouta and I mean Al-Nusra Front gangs and Falak al-Rahman gangs. And I say to all those who exported to us armed, moderate, genetically modified opposition that we eliminated these toxic exports. And we Armed, moderate, genetically modified opposition? This isn't the first time this guy said this. Call upon those exporters to bear the consequences of their actions as some elements who survived would return to their original countries. All right, Doc, <laughs> we, we've been doing True News a long time. <laughs> this is one of the weirdest things I've ever reported on. Yeah. Did he say that the U.S. or some Western country exported genetically modified soldiers into his country? Yes, he referred to them as chemi chemical weapons. Toxic. Even. Toxic substances into his country. Nephilim. Nephilim. That, that's what it would be. That's what we're dealing with. He's talking about Nephilim. The Nephilim are back. 
unbelievable. This isn't the only time he said that either. I mean, he's made that reference before. When did he say it? I'm telling you, there's some crazy, crazy stuff going on in Syria, as we're going to see. In 2016, the same ambassador, referring again to the jihadists, the ones that Saudi Arabia's put in, the other people who've been armed, he brought this up in regard to Aleppo. He said that genetically modified fighters are being used and exported into his country. We actually have that clip, too. He said this at the United Nations. And this is 2016. 2016. All right, let's watch this one, too. The Syrian government is still ready to evacuate remaining unlawful armed groups and the terrorist pockets in the eastern part of Aleppo. And it has organized yesterday a convoy to evacuate 3,750 terrorists and their families. Unfortunately, some member states and the Security Council and the mainstream media continue to defend and support the genetically modified armed Syrian opposition Moderate. The genetically modified Syrian opposition moderates? What? By definition. While turning a blind eye to the crimes committed by them. So they're committing extraordinary crimes, these genetically modified entities that evidently our government is sponsoring, or at least NATO at bare minimum genetically modified soldiers in the Middle East. The jihadists, he's talking about ISIS. Yes. yes. He, re, he called them genetically modified. Yes. I mean, this is, doc, they're, they're Nephilim. Right. Now, in 2015, ISIS, uh, one of the most shocking uh, executions was when ISIS yes. beheaded 21 Egyptian Coptic Christian men. Right. This is so awesome. They segue into this because I, I didn't forget about this, but I, it was one of those things where I just couldn't do a dedicated study. Really, I, I did. I never watched this video. I only watched them where they marched these poor, I believe they're Syrians, out on that beach, and these gigantic guys marching, and they all look like they're seven foot five, marching these normally size guys out and then they behead them in mass and i remember a lot of people talking about how tall these men were right because people were saying hey they're not those aren't uh arabs uh, they're too tall they, they they look like american basketball players we've right. got a video i want to go ahead we'll show it and we'll just keep talking but this is what they were referring to. I mean, these but guys these are... These men looked abnormally tall. Whoa, I mean, they're gigantic. They're showing the video of them marching them out. They look like they're... I mean, I'm talking. They, they're a lot taller than every single prisoner. Uh, Arab soldiers. Right. Clearly taller than their captains. Because you yes. look at the head. The head doesn't even come up to the shoulders of no, some of these, uh, these soldiers. I mean, you're talking about seven, seven and a half foot tall uh, terrorists here in this video. So now we're talking... Think about this. Ha, was the ISIS invasion, which came from... I mean, they're all giant dudes. Like, they're, I wouldn't call them, like, giant, like, well, Nephilim, yes, most likely. But, I mean, they're significantly, all of them, taller than their, um, their, their prisoners. I mean, just it just appeared, ISIS. And these are Coptic Christians, beheading... <laughs> Egyptian Coptic Christians in Libya. How pitiful. 
disappeared. Right. Nobody had ever heard of ISIS. And they're going through Syrian and Iraqi towns, cutting off people's right. heads and slaughtering people. Yes. Did America produce these creatures in laboratories? Did we? Grow? And are we beta testing them in the Middle East in regard to the super soldier program? Did these things and then turn them loose on the Christians in the Middle East? Wouldn't it surprise Dear me a bit? God, how wicked and evil are we? Yeah. No, I think he. I think they're on the right path with what he's saying. And, you know, why would they want to slaughter Christians? Why would that be such a priority? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't they want to like? behead like their mortal enemies like there were maybe people that were totally like whatever a threat no no let's 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 uh behead a whole bunch of coptic christians and for the syrian ambassador to come out publicly and say something like that saying these are gen genetically modified entities soldiers terrorists operating in this region i mean i was shocked to hear that today this is the first time i had, had heard anything about this well you know Months ago, President Putin talked. Yes. He told students in Russia yep. that that our, uh, nations were developing super soldiers yep. right. that w would have no fear, would be uh, able to go through all kinds of pain. More on this coming up. Pain. So this is not um, concept. It's not even outlandish. No, no. World leaders are openly mm -hmm. talking about it, folks. We. We've entered wow. the twilight zone. We've entered the last days. Jesus Christ is coming. You got to get ready, church. You got to get ready. Jesus Christ is coming. Don't be sitting there waiting on a secret rapture. Jesus Christ is coming. We've got to preach the gospel now. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. So we have that. <laughs> so, yeah, now I know we've just really taken a, a, a right turn here. I didn't know this was even at play. Well, let's go to the next video. Anunnaki harvesting human corpses in Syria. Oh, yeah. We're just getting started here. Good afternoon, everybody. Mike from Nibiru News and someonesbones.com. I hope your Sunday is a calm one so far. Reminder. Now, this was on March 11th, 2018. So this is like, you know, over a month ago. Since it is Sunday, the live broadcast will begin at 7 o'clock p.m. tonight, not 8 o'clock. In the meantime, I have a short article I would like to read. As usual, it will only take three or four minutes, and then I will let you go and hope to talk to you tonight on Nibiru News Live. The title of the article I would like to read today, Anunnaki Harvesting Human Corpses in Syria, and I shall read. An intercepted Russian Ministry of Defense report asserts that a malicious race of extraterrestrials known as the Anunnaki has been harvesting human corpses, oh sorry, the corpses of war victims in the Syrian city of Isguda. Isguda is where we've been talking around about this whole time. Every single report I've talked about regarding Syria, regarding anything like where it, whether it's the the 200 Russians that got killed, the the um, 2,000 Americans that got killed, with the 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 fake uh, gas attack that supposedly just occurred in Syria, it's all been in that region. Okay, so this is some type of hotbed for a lot of different nefarious activity going on. Over 1,000 persons have died in the last three weeks, according to our source. Former KGB agent Stronikov Isaac Stepanovich, the document 
which President Putin, Vladimir Putin notarized, contains eyewitness reports describing numerous 7 to 10 foot tall humanoids scavenging human remains from the battle. And those guys were every bit 7 foot tall. The guys that, if you just saw the, the video, you can, you can look it up online. Where they were, they were um, the, these genetically modified, as what I'm assuming that the Syrian uh, UN ambassador was talking about, the ones that did um, beheaded these Coptic Christians, and that was in Egypt, um, I believe Libya, in that particular case. Uh, they they were every bit most likely seven feet tall. The Anunnaki incursion into East Guda, Stepanovich said began on 14 February, and each night since they have probed the war-torn streets for cadavers. To mitigate risk of detection, they operate only at night, using darkness and war carnage to conceal their fiendish agenda, collecting corpses for food. I now, if you look at the Book of Enoch, and I'm not saying it's canon of Scripture, but I've done a whole study on it, I only use the one, the, the only reference, the one book of Enoch. It's the blue hardback cover. It was translated by a Baptist theological seminary, and it has the cross references to the King James Bible in it. And if you look at that, where it ended up, when they could not appease the giants anymore, the giants turned on humanity and consumed humanity. They, they were cannibalistic when they could not be fed anymore by whatever the humans were offering them, because these were like gods. This is where a lot of the uh, the um, uh, the Greek legends and things of this come from, most likely is Genesis 6, the legends of that, you know. And I know there were giants after that. The Bible says that in Genesis 6 and after that. Um, but the primary era when you had giants basically most likely pretty much ruling the earth so much so that god had to wipe the whole planet out as a result of that incursion save noah save the eight people on the ark and the animals on the ark that had not been uh genetically uh tainted by the giants which was the goal of satan all along to corrupt the the seed line of man so that the savior prophesied savior jesus christ could not come because he's not going to come through a nephilim Okay, uh, so anyway, just just a little bit of, of background there. Stefanovic, we believe this sinister race is feeding on humans. There is no other explanation behind gathering the dead. Also, we believe they ultimately want able-bodied humans for slaves. So eating the dead makes sense. They apparently consider human flesh a delicacy. The Anunnaki are very strong. They can easily hoist a body over each shoulder, then sprint away or vanish through a portal to avoid being... I, I, I missed my point on, on the whole thing on the Book of Enoch, but that's the, the, when it, the Book of Enoch talks about... What the Book of Enoch is, particularly the first parts of it, is really an expansion of Genesis 6. If you want to know more about Genesis 6, that's what Enoch gets into. And a lot more specifics, but it said that they got to the point where when they consumed all the acquisitions of man, they ate man. And then it also said that they defiled, well, they obviously defiled man because when the fallen angels came down and had sex with women, they bore them the fallen ones, the giants, the men of old, the men of renown. Again, you think of Greek mythology and things of this nature and Hercules and all this stuff. Okay, And so this is what you've got going on there. 
in, in, in all of Genesis 6. But it got to the point where man could not sustain them anymore, so they, then they became totally cannibalistic, and they started eating men. And, you know, fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman, the whole, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk thing. There is basis of truth in this. And every time that these people, uh, giants are encountered in this world, and in the legends that you see about them, and the, uh, the legends of... Um, of native uh, Indians, how they dealt with them. They were always cannibals. They had two rows of teeth, typically, where they could, you know, actually consume more because they had two rows. They had insatiable appetites, insatiable. You've, you've heard me do my studies on the Solomon Islands where, where the giants, you know, exist openly to this day. It's not as bad as it was, like, openly as far as maybe 100 years ago. They've kind of toned down their rhetoric on the Solomon Islands, but they're still there. You could still go, you know, go to the wrong part of the island and be eaten very easily if you're if you're on the wrong part of the island. They love to eat humans. So this is not something that's far-fetched from the standpoint of all the legends and all the other first-hand accounts of giants from different various ages and, and first-hand accounts from antiquity. Spotted. Moreover, he said civilians and soldiers are less likely to notice a 10-foot-tall alien sprinting past them when they are in the midst of being fired upon, shelled, or bombed. The Adunaki, he added, have adopted a clandestine stance ever since Vladimir Putin ramped up efforts to rid the world of extraterrestrial vermin. Despite Putin's best efforts, which include destroying Anunnaki enclaves in Russia, Syria, and Afghanistan, the memo acknowledges that the Anunnaki remain a potent, viable threat to humanity. I quote him again. They can strike anywhere and everywhere. Right now to them Syria is fertile, a fertile ground of limitless feeding. It pains me to say this, but we believe they have taken bodies of over 150 women and very small children. Asked to explain a lack of photographic evidence, Stefanovic said journalists fear venturing out at night in the besieged city, and villagers can scarcely afford food let alone cell phones and cameras. Besides, the Adunaki are experts at camouflage and evasion. I wonder how many of those people that we had saw before that were fleeing East Ghouta, whether it was just, uh, just because of the rebels there and them not being able to get food. How many of them were fleeing this? But they're not going to interview those because that's, that's too radical to put on TV. Some of the people might have said that in the interviews, but they're not going to air that. Not even the Syrian government's going to air that, most likely. Or RT. Locals willing to talk are often dismissed as hysterical lunatics, suffering from war blindness. On one march, an East Ghouta woman told Al Jazeera that maraud marauding giants were dragging wounded soldiers, soldiers through the streets. She was told she was hallucinating. In closing, Stefanovich says Putin plans to intensify anti-Anunnaki war efforts in global hotspots. But even Putin, he says recognizes the challenges in defeating a technologically and numerically superior force. They are like the Hydra. Cut one head off, two grow back. Kill one Anunnaki, and five come back, Stefanovich said. And that concludes the short article I wanted to read today. I hope to see you tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. Okay, so we have that lighthearted little whimsical news there okay let's go to the next report here okay th we're going to develop this 
the questions you have now will probably get answered as as we go through these videos here. So let's go to the next one. Testing one two three. Testing one two three. I hope everybody out there is having a good Saturday afternoon. This is Michael from Nibiru News or someonesbones.com bringing you the latest Nibiru news out there. I won't waste too much of your time on a beautiful beautiful Saturday afternoon. I have a story I'm going to read. Then I'll make a few comments and bring it to a close. It should only take four or five minutes. And if you want, you, you can just go to the website and read it for yourself. The title of the story is Nibiru Anunnaki Slaughter Russian Soldiers. And I will read the story. Let's see if I got it here. Okay. One second, please. Sorry about that. Okay. On Monday, February 13th, a Russian Special Forces detachment accidentally stumbled upon an Anunnaki hive while searching for ISIS insurgents in a network of caves near Raqqa. According to the sole survivor of the doomed operation... Now, just so you know, this was February 18th of 2017, so this was over a year ago. Enormous Anunnaki aliens initiated a violent confrontation, engaging the Russian soldiers with energy and particle beam weapons. The Russian troops fired back to no avail. Apparently, the Anunnaki had an innate resistance to ballistic weapons. Our Moscow's fallen angelic technology source, a former FSB operative, obtained a partial transcript of the event before the Kremlin issued a gag order and isolated the surviving soldier, Captain Perilyov Garvila Vasilyevich, and I'm sure I am not pronouncing his name correctly, a decorated officer and combat veteran. Vasilyevich's unit, the report indicates, had been operating behind enemy lines on a four-day-long search-and-destroy mission. They were tasked with locating a band of ISIS freedom fighters believed to be hiding in an expansive network of caves in northeast Syria. After an exhaustive day of maneuvering through twisting tunnels and stalactite-filled caverns, the Russian unit found its prey, a ragtag group of ISIS spies had been holding up in a cavern a hundred feet beneath the surface. The special forces soldiers slaughtered their enemy, leaving no survivors. That's when things began getting weird for them, our source said. After dispatching the ISIS soldiers, the Russian team heard strange noises echoing off the cavern walls. A distinct series of beeps and chirps emanating from a tunnel leading deeper underground. Assuming the sounds to be a primitive form of Morse code, the report continues, Captain Vasilyevich believed that another group of ISIS soldiers might have been lurking at the opposite end of the tunnel. He had ordered his men to assume an offensive posture and begun descending into the depths of the earth. The tunnel, Captain Vasilyevich reported, emptied into a colossal cavern with a hundred meter high ceiling. Upon entering the cave, they were greeted not by ISIS insurgents, but by a faction of heavily armed humanoid aliens who did not take kindly to the intrusion. Now, again, they, they had the, the report that we've talked to you about the Kandahar giant that was in Afghanistan. 
And I mean, that's been verified, I think, three different ways. One from the pilot that actually flew the giant out of there. Um, and two guys that either one of them knew one of the guys that were there. And I think one eyewitness that was there that, that saw the, the or they were the second team that went in. One of the guys on the second team that went in because the first team got totally slaughtered. They weren't prepared to deal with this. So, I mean, this stuff's going on. And, and the Bible predicts, Jesus Christ said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was the biggest thing going on in Noah's day if you could take a news crew back? Well, it would have been the, the takeover of the Nephilim and the fallen angels procreating with women and defiling humanity and eating all the acquisitions of men. And then it also said that they defiled the birds and, and, and the animals and, and the humans. And so they were, they, were, they were commingling and interbreeding with even the animals. They were just trying to defile anything in God's creation. And this is where I think we get the thing, whole thing about like centaurs and the sphinx and all of these half animal half type human uh creatures so you get that and then you look at all the genetically modified garbage going on today and how they play god and then the genetically modified plants and animals and all this stuff it's it's just a different variation on what was going on in noah's day by all reports the towering extraterrestrial stood 5 to 15 meters in height and had gold or bronze like skin Without hesitation, they opened it's fire. It's because they, they heavily rely on the tanning booth. I mean, because, hey, they're underground. It's hard to get a tan down there. So they've got their own giant tanning booth, obviously. And so they've got that nice golden tan, that San Tropez tan that we all know and love. On the Russian soldiers. Four of the Russians died immediately, our source told us. The alien weapons produced a golden beam of light that vaporized anything it touched including, of course, human flesh. The soldiers fought valiantly, but were no match for the Anunnaki's advanced technology. The soldiers' bullets just bounced off their exoskeleton. After the eighth fatality, our source said, Captain Basilevich ordered a tactical retreat, but the Anunnaki outmaneuvered them and overwhelmed them in a running firefight to the surface. They massacred all of Captain Basilevich's men. Vasilevich, the report concludes, barely escaped with his life. For, uh, for reasons unknown, the Anunnaki... Same thing happened to our guys with the Kandahar giant. The first, first wave got totally wiped out, and this was just one giant. And this is one giant with just one primitive spear, sword spear that it had. And, and, it, and it just moved so fast and was so, you know, um, precise and so aggressive and evil that it just overwhelmed the first wave and they had to send a second wave back in there and they barely beat the thing with a whole group of like uh, you know special ops guys raiding party chose not to pursue him beyond the entrance to the caves even more interesting this might not be an isolated incident no it's not astrobiologist and sumerian scholar herman schwarzbaum claims that worldwide governments have concealed numerous confrontations with Anunnaki raiding parties. The extraterrestrials, he said, originate from the fourth planet of the Nibiru system and routinely probe Earth's defenses in advance of Nibiru's arrival. Now again, I don't I'm not get I'm not saying that Nibiru is gonna be here any day or where they're they, now the new the new prediction now is twenty twenty. 
Now, I've done whole studies on Nibiru, Planet of the Crossing, Planet X, Wormwood, whatever they want to call it. I've done studies on that. Uh, you can just key in the keyword search bar. You know, I've heard so many reports of, okay, it's going to be here and it never happens and this and that. So I haven't said a lot about it recently. But they're saying that there is this brown dwarf star, Nibiru, has planets around it. And that it's coming toward us. At this point, it'll actually be getting near us. Now, I've heard something about uh, uh, April 23rd now where it's going to be visible. I don't, you know, listen, I'm not a date setter. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm not even giving that any validity. But if it does happen, I don't want it to be where it's one of those things where you've never heard it from me. And, and I've never even told you about that. Um, and whether they're actually from this planet that orbits Nibiru, the brown door star, uh, you know, it's like trying to get accurate, accurate information from Satan. The point is, is that what's more important is that these things are here and they're coming more increasingly. And it's lining up with what Jesus said about the days of Noah. They're making increasing incursions they're coming in larger numbers uh it's almost like they were they, they came as uh, probing expeditionary forces initially and we're going to learn more about this because this is just the i think second video we're playing about this uh but they're coming in bigger numbers and um they're showing up in the middle east primarily right now and that concludes the story now please understand that when I read these stories, I am providing information that has been given to us by sources that we deem reliable in their field of study. I am not expressing my own personal views. For example, I do not know, I do not know if Nibiru is inhabited or not by a race. Right. I am just covering this because I want to embrace a larger picture, as I've said in the past, and try to get more information out there than now I screw that up. I'll edit that out and my goal is to try and get as much information out there as possible for people to digest so that they can look at it intelligently and decide what is true and what might be questionable because face it when it comes to Nibiru there is a lot of questionable information out there and facts that are difficult to prove. However, right. absence of evidence is not absence of existence. So you cannot just say Nibiru does not exist because you can't look up at the sky and see it right now. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and bring this to a close. I hope everybody out there has a great weekend. This is Michael from someone... Okay, so we have that video. Let's go to the next one. Uh, Russian-Turkish forces clash with Anunnaki in Syria. Good evening, everybody. This is Michael from Nibiru News and Someone'sBones.com. I hope everyone is having a good Saturday evening. I just finished writing an article, and I wanted to put it out since I am home. Some of you might be home, and I figured why wait until tomorrow. I'm going to read the article and then just add a few closing comments and let everyone get on with their Saturday evenings. The title of the article is Russian-Turkish forces clash with Anunnaki in Syria. Now, just so you know, so you get an idea of when this came out, this was October 14th of 2017. 
Okay, so um, last October. And I will read. In the pre-dawn hours of Thursday, 12 October, a joint Russian-Turkish military unit skirmished with Anunnaki invaders 30 miles northwest of Aleppo near the Turkish-Syrian border. An active Russian intelligence officer says a Turkish army convoy consisting of 100 commandos and multiple armored personnel carriers rendezvoused with Russian Spetsnaz and extraterrestrial specialists. Presidents Putin and Erdogan greenlit the operation after confirming reports of non-human entities massing near the embattled border city. According to our source, these things are attracted to war, death, and carnage. Huh, was there a movie that was like that? Oh yeah, Predator. Yeah. It was an Anunnaki-type creature that was attracted to wherever there was death and carnage and war and heat, too. They liked heat. And this is these are very hot areas as well. Kind of weird, some weird parallels with Predator. Erdogan, I mean, Hollywood's always telegraphing their punches, you know. Thought Putin's help, fearing legions of Anunnaki might leave Syria, a domain they have been known to inhabit, and plague his country. Despite Erdogan's allegiance to NATO, Putin was sympathetic to his plight. After all, Turkey had recently signed a costly deal to purchase S-400 air defense weapons from Russia. Moreover, Putin sees the Anunnaki as a scourge to be wiped from the planet, our source added. And I quote our source, Russian special forces have battled Anunnaki in the past. In the last two years alone, we have lost three expeditionary forces to extraterrestrial conflicts in the area. We lost because these creatures seem to have an immunity to ballistic weapons. This time, we had the advantage. We discovered they have almost no resistance to medium-strength energy weapons. How Putin discovered this, I don't know. Maybe tested on a captured Anunnaki. He says the military unit employed cutting-edge vehicle-mounted lasers capable of producing steady bursts of 10-kilowatt energy, which essentially vaporized the Anunnaki on contact. Because the Anunnaki had been hiding in a network of caves and needed flushing out, Turkish forces sustained an unconfirmed number of casualties during a protracted engagement lasting more than two hours. I quote our source again. Many Turkish commandos went into the cave to meet their doom to rout the Anunnaki. We do not have handheld units yet. I assume he's talking about weapons. Maybe soon. So Medium-strength medium, medium directed energy weapons. They don't have that yet where they're portable like that. They've got to be mounted. And I think I'm sure that he's got, I'm sure that Putin has... Uh, like his best scientists trying to reduce the size of the energy weapons so that they can be handheld, so they can actually fight these things one-on-one -on -one without having to rely on some uh, truck-mounted system. Soldiers had to draw them out for Russian soldiers to target. Anunnaki might be smart, but also not so smart. Had they stayed deep in the cave, the vehicles and weapons could not have reached them but they kept pouring out from the mouth of the cave Good. to avenge their fallen Praise comrades. Praise the Lord. And Good. By two they Good. Fell. Die, you devils. As vaporization precludes an accurate body count, 
He estimates between 50 to 60. A lot of these things, there's a lot of hubris. There's a lot of pride and arrogance, and, and they would look down, just like the giants would look down on little mere puny humans and say, oh, we're going to crush you little in there. And that that gets the best of them in these types of scenarios because their pride is what's bringing them out of that cave. Their anger, their rage, their hate, their pride, their hubris, their arrogance is bringing them out of the cage so that they can be slaughtered, you know, like fish in a barrel. So praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm all for it, you know. Go Anunnaki pride. 75 Anunnaki warriors perished to Russian technology. Praise the Lord. The Russian Ministry of Defense, he adds, for several years has manufactured advanced laser plasma and hypersonic weapons despite claims that such weapons have been developed to counter ICBMs cruise missiles and drones they are he says intended to defeat threats from quote space and beyond unquote not from abroad in 2016 deputy defense minister Yuri Brizov revealed the Russian military commissioned several types of laser weaponry in accordance with the nation's future battlefield policies. Even today, though, prohibitive costs prevent widespread distribution among everyday fighting soldiers, and the few existing laser platforms are reserved for discrete tactical combat units. Following Thursday's successful engagement, Putin and Erdogan classified the operation top-secret and agreed to withhold any details from media outlets. Additionally, they concocted a cover story, hunting for ISIS freedom fighters, in case the press or foreign intelligence agencies caught wind of the operation. And if you remember from before, isn't it funny, the ISIS freedom fighters were in the same caves as these devil Anunnaki, but the Anunnaki weren't doing anything to them, because they're on the same team. It's called Team Satan. It's, it's just like... Black Lives Matter and the Purple Revolution, the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender agenda, and, and, and the most radical sects of Islam, which seem so diabolically opposed or diametrically opposed on so many levels, can still unite under the common banner of evil slash Satan to be on the same team. Well, the Anunnaki are the same deal. They're Team Satan, baby. That's all that really matters. In closing, our source says the Anunnaki threat is far from over, as the Kremlin speculates pockets of Anunnaki insurgents still dwell in Syria, Iraq, Iran, and Afghanistan. And that concludes the short article I wanted to read tonight. I appreciate everyone. Okay, so we have that one. Bet you haven't heard this stuff before unless unless you've listened to this guy before. Uh, Here's the next one. Anunnaki whistleblower. Stren, Strenlikov Isaac Stepanovich spills the beans. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is, of course, Mike with Nibiru News and someonesbones.com. Today I have something very special. Something that what, this guy he's interviewing, this Russian guy, this, this Mr. Stepanovich, former KGB agent. Man, he just... Just look at this guy. You can see him in the in the left side of the thing. He just looks, I don't know. He just looks like he's been through the ringer. It has been asked for. I have an audio, and he, at least here, a part of video interview with one of my key sources, one of my key Russian sources, former KGB agent Strelnikov Isaac Stepanovich. Um, how are you doing today, Strelnikov? 
all right, all right, it's, it's okay, but I would prefer to call me, you know, it's all right, Stanley Cole's fine. Stranikov is good. Okay, I mean, yeah. if you want me to call you Stepan, uh, Agent Stepanovich or former Agent Stepanovich or Mr. Stepanovich, I'm comfortable with whatever form yeah. of address you prefer. Yes, I prefer Stanley, please. Okay. Are you comfortable with doing the video, or would you rather not do the video interview? I would rather not. I mean, no problem. But I prefer to talk. Okay, no problem. I don't know. He said, I prefer not, but I I prefer to talk. So I don't know what he just... I don't know. This guy gives off a crazy kind of weird vibe. I mean, granted, I can't imagine what this guy's been through and what he's seen firsthand. But he does not remind me of the type of guy that would mince words. You just do not get that impression from this cat. I, I'd be happy to uh, shut the video. Not a problem. Let me go ahead and kill that camera, and we can do without that. Thank you. Okay, let me get everybody be here. Let me just, uh, I'll just shrink it down so tiny that nobody could possibly see it. And I have no need to have myself up there. Either. So you're just hearing his voice Everybody now. already has a pretty good idea what I look like by now. Anyway, it is a pleasure to have you on uh, today, Mr. Stepanovich. First, I'd like to thank you for agreeing to do an audio interview, a part video, I guess. The listening audience knows that I've written countless articles based on information you've provided exclusively to me. I know you are a wealth of knowledge, but today I'd like to focus on a single topic. Vladimir Putin's war against an extraterrestrial race called the Anunnaki. Before we get there, though, would you be willing to give us a little of your backstory, your education, work history, and your relationship to Vladimir Putin? Yes, Mike. But please, you know, I don't like all this Mr. This and Mr. That. Just call me Strelnikov. In Russia, we very much informal, you know. We sit around, drink vodka, sing songs, and uh, tell <laughs> jokes. We drink vodka, we sing songs, we tell jokes. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I can remember uh, years ago, and I think I've said this on air before, where I saw one of these, it was like cops, but it was in Russia. I remember that show Cops, where they would go and they would arrest people. And one of the things that struck me about America is that the vast majority of the time when they would arrest somebody, whether black, white, it didn't really matter, they would all deny whatever they're being, and they could have been caught in the act, and they would just habitually, pathologically lie right to the cop that had just caught them in the act of doing whatever they're doing, so much of the time. Now, I'm not saying every time they, they couldn't have been innocent, but I'm, I'm talking about the kinds, the times that were beyond open and shut, okay? And I remember the episode I saw of cops in Russia and the fact that when they were apprehending these Russians, the Russians would always admit to whatever they had been. They were like totally honest. They're like, yes, I did it. I, I, yes, it's, I mean, there was like not one guy that tried to deny what he was being. He was guilty and he admitted it. And I just noticed the striking difference between cultures. And I'm not saying Russia's perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know. It always struck me that way. It was, it was like, I was like, wow, what a contrast. You know, between the two the two nations there. I listened to your other interviews with two scientists who are how you say anal, anal retentive, right? 
demanding you to address them as doctor. I'm yeah, just okay. cynical and I would love like it to be like that. So he doesn't like the people that go around and say, you've got to address me as doctor and all that. I, I don't do that either, you know. Uh, as far as, I, I don't ever, like, dress me as doctor. I, I don't do that. No, 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 no. Okay, not a problem. Like I said, I will be happy to call you any name you find acceptable. Now, the reason that I'm playing all this preliminary stuff is just to kind of set the tone and let you know kind of the type of person this guy is. He's very straight to the point, matter of fact. Uh, let's not mince words. Let's get down to brass tacks type of dude. Um, right. And no problem. We like to keep things informal here on someone's bones and the beer news. So, go ahead. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Anything where to start. After high school, I conscripted to Russian military. My U.S., this is sort of Russian equivalent to United States Army, MOS. I was an, like an intelligence scout. I became very fascinated with gathering information and, that, and espionage. When I leave Army, I go to KGB, but they turn me down. I see. Turned you down? Yes, they did. They said I had good military service, but they were recruiting only two types of people. Those with college degree and a few for suicide missions. <laughs> That's nice. Agent told me if they recruit me, then I would be sent to a mission and probably not come home. <laughs> well, so at least they were honest. Probably a wise choice. given the Our government does the same thing, but they won't tell you that until probably the last minute. Or maybe t not tell you that at all. I don't know you had at the time, what did you study in school? I graduated from St. Petersburg State University with master's degree in political science, focusing on strategic arms and control studies. When I graduated, I got back to KGB and uh, say, here's my military record, here's my diploma, give me a job. So they checked me out and they said, okay, maybe. I passed all assessment tests and training uh, regiment and was introduced into KGB. And then I worked as junior analyst in Moscow. I hoped for excitement, but job was very, very boring desk job. <laughs> tedious, you know. About one year later, I catch a lucky break. I personally exposed an MI6 and a Mossad agent who had infiltrated into the Ministry of Defense. So they sent me to London as an assistant to the military attaché. Very, very nice ladies in London. You know? Sure. And uh, after that, the people up chain of command take notice of my achievement and promoted me to KSID. <coughs> Special Investigation Division. And this is where I began to learn the things really going on in this world, like Nibiru and Anunnaki. You know? Before we go there, it's my understanding that you were terminated from the KGB and did not leave of your own free will. Would you care to elaborate on that? I, it was a termination. It was not really a termination. No one ever really leaves the KGB. 
I was relieved of duty because I had learned so much that I was more, you know, useful outside than inside the waiters. The way I see it, President Putin wanted me to expose the truths to the world. As an active KGB agent, I could never do that. Right. But officially, free of the agency's grasp, I could disclose sensitive information. It should be obvious that President Putin is protecting me. It would certainly so that's why he's doing what he's doing now. He's like freelancing, kind of. Even though he's really, theoretically, like he said, you never really leave the KGB. But now, because he's not under that official title or whatever, he can do. He has more latitude to do things that he couldn't do in an official military capacity. He's doing things that Putin wants him to do from a like in an unofficial uh, way disclosing things like this interview that if he was like one of the Russian military brass, he couldn't do that because then it's like he's representing all the Russian military and they, and they may want to distance themselves from this type of information uh, for obvious reasons, because this is one of those things that you want to bring about through soft disclosure typically, unless you had no choice but to bring a hard disclosure. But this is something you kind of want to have, like, somebody like this that kind of does it from a soft disclosure standpoint in a non-official capacity. So, so just to clarify, President Putin, you believe, is using you as an instrument of disclosure. Why would he not just do it himself? Mike, he cannot present certain issues because he has many in it. Some topics are too controversial. The fifth column in government and outside world would say that he's like on a wild goose chase, chase in the near uh, abroad on, or Syria, in Syria. They would say that we are in Syria not to eliminate the terrorist threat, but to pursue some imaginary enemies from space. Right. You, know? you see how crazy he would sound. Then the Washington Post say that President Putin has caught some contagious mental right. illness or disease when President Trump... I mean, he's the biggest pariah on the planet as it is. Just like it, he was literally in the cover of Newsweek, pariah with nuclear mushroom clouds in his glasses saying the big, you know biggest threat to humanity or whatever they said, the one that I talked about. So he's got to tread very lightly. He's got to be very careful what he says because they're just... It's just like Trump... They're willing, they, I mean, they are just wanting him to say something out of line so they can discredit him and, and have more excuse for, you know, saying he's crazy or maybe potentially attacking him. He's got to be very, very calculated and careful what he says. Sneeze. Then Moscow Times and the other Russian pro-NATO liberal papers would all scream out, it's a contagion. Putin has gone mad like Trump. <laughs> the fifth nope. column. Could you like give Trump. us a little more information? Uh, look, some hopeful politicians and journalists and businessmen also are working for the West and would not miss the opportunity. No? President popularity is great, but his enemies are just waiting for their chance to get him. I'm not the only one, you know? President Putin is using others like me. 
wants to disclose information he cannot. Information like what your government calls the Anunnaki threat? Among other things, yes. Let's focus there for a second. To start, can you tell us when your government learned of this race and give us a little background on how Putin determined that they were, shall we say, not very friendly? Not very friendly. They're a little friendly. Sometimes though. in late 2012, and I cannot remember this that day, we began receiving intelligence reports of extraterrestrial, you know, extraterrestrials in conflict areas like Syria, Afghanistan, Georgia, Ukraine. Many reports surface of extraordinary tall humanoids, three to five meters. I'm sure you've heard of the Kandahar. Three to five meters. Wow. So that's, you know, <laughs> nine to like 15 plus feet tall. Yeah. So they come in different sizes. There's different... And it's just like the giants and like the Solomon Islands. You know, I've talked about this before. They're, they're, they're what they call like first generation giant, meaning like a fallen angel that directly bred with a, a human woman. Those would be the ones that would be the largest. Okay. Uh, they're the closest to the actual fallen angelic bloodline. They're the, typically the tallest. And then you would have, let's say that giant breeding with another human and then you're going to have what they call a half cast giant now this would be this would apply to these anunnaki as well not to say they're not giants but they may be a different kind of giant i don't think they're the same just brute savage giant like in kandahar which he's going to talk about here in a second uh and then you've got quarter cast giants and quarter cast giants in the solomon islands are I, mean, I just got i just told this to a listener the other day and it's in that book about the solomon islands there are some quarter cast giants that at the writing of that book were, were living among the natives in in some of the more remote parts of solomon islands they were actually part of a tribe and they were married to like the one of the, like the the women there or whatever and and they would describe these things as is very very uh, typically very lazy uh, with ex- uh, having the ability to be incredibly strong, they could literally eat like, and these are quarter cast, okay? They would have the ability to um, basically eat a whole pig at one sitting or multiple ones, one quarter cast giant. Uh, they're um, evil. They're, they usually have very, very red, like, bloodshot looking eyes they don't look fully human i'm trying to remember from the book this this one that they were describing and 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 they're very deceptive uh not a lot of redeeming qualities they stink um you know uh they're um remember they talked about this one quarter cast giant they'd taken to australia off the solomon islands and and I, i told this story before where they they took this thing to a uh it's some kind of fighting match and in like boxing or whatever and this thing didn't even want to do it and and they put him in the ring and this guy hit this thing and it, it angered this quarter cast giant and this thing hit him so hard his fist sunk into his chest literally caved in 
his rib cage and all of his internal organs and the guy died instantly from one punch in the ring okay and that's a quarter cast giant they can kind of pass for human it's just like the hubrids that i've talked about you've got your full like let's say you got your full tall gray alien or whatever and then you've got them interbreeding with a with a human so you have a hybrid at that point okay and i've I talked about this in, in uh, at length in the, i believe the last alien study i did or or the one before that on that book where it's called they they walk among us or they live among us or something by that guy that researcher and then you've got the hubrids which are the quarter cast aliens which can actually pass for humans and i'm going to get into this when i finally am able to do this next alien ufo disclosure false flag agenda teaching and they and those are the ones that can usually a quarter cast whether it's alien giant whatever can a lot of times pass for human you know if if it's if it's a fallen angel interbreeding with a human um but even the aliens can do that evidently so anyway just a little clarification there giant that's just one of many What's real there? The Kandahar Giants is what he says, one of me. That's the one I described before where our our, our teams went in there, our, our special ops teams went in there, and um, the first team got slaughtered, and the second team finally was able to take this thing down. They just said, you got to fire at its head. Headshots, headshots, headshots. It's the only way to take it down. You really need a 50 cal headshot in order to take it down. And um, from what Steve Quayle says, the... If you use a bullet, you want to use a, co- a fully copper bullet. They like to use, I believe, even copper. They, they're obsessed with copper, but copper will actually take them down. Um, a 50 cal copper bullet will take down one of these giants. Uh, so that's, that's the, the feedback that I've gotten from the military accounts is that this race of evil ETs is seek out hotspots. This race of evil ETs seek out hotspots, just so if you didn't hear that. Places of conflict where they can camouflage themselves within the carnage of war. They camouflage themselves in the carnage of war, kind of both figuratively and literally. They do have camouflage, just like Predator did, where he sought out, the, the, the hot spots on Earth where there was conflict going on and he could literally blend into whatever environment that he was in and camouflage himself. Very, very reminiscent of, camo- uh, of the Predator movie. So they appear at battle sites and take corpses of dead and sometimes abduct the living. So they take corpses of dead and abduct the living when they get to these uh, conflict areas. These stories go unreported because it is easy to explain as battle-induced acute stress and hallucinations. So they'll just say you're crazy if you if you start spouting these stories. I mean, you know, that's what they're they're told. How convenient. If these events, however, have happened beyond Russia's sovereign borders in Syria and other nations, why does Putin care? Because unlike Western leaders, President Putin recognizes this Vermin are a great threat to humanity. If we do not fight them in Syria, we will have to fight them in Stalingrad. Stalingrad? I thought Stalin was not to be mentioned in the new Russia under President Putin. 
I was in Paris and they have Stalingrad metro station. So you Westerners think that you can have Stalingrad and us Russians cannot have Stalingrad. That's nonsense. Okay, well, thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. And I would never presume to demand political correctness from Russians when I hate it here in America. Anyway, these Anunnaki, what is their disposition? How strong are they? Unfortunately, it is hard, hard to track exactly how many Anunnaki are currently in this area. In the kill one, many more seem to appear. Okay, now that we're getting into your nation's efforts to eradicate the Anunnaki, can you tell us how exactly Putin plans to defeat a technologically and potentially numerical, numerically superior foe? Some, some things I can, can say, some I cannot. Yeah. Early on, we discovered that Anunnaki were res resilient to small arms fire, like. Kalashnikov bullets. Yeah. They were resistant to small. They were resistant to small arm fire. They did not work on them. President Putin, I would say, secret. He gave a secret executive order to organize nationwide effort to defeat this monster. Military base in Ural. You know Ural Mountains. Right. It was repurposed as a top secret. ET, like extraterrestrial research center, to train Russian special services and to develop technology capable of reducing these Anunnaki. I see. I presume you're referring to the Moskoya facility, and I'd like to return to that in a minute. Can yes. you tell me about Russia's earliest skirmishes with the Anunnaki and the outcome of those engagements? At first, outcome was bad, very bad. We did not know their defense technologies. We received reports we sent Spetsnaz to chase them through vast networks of caves in Syria. So, in other words, if you're not hearing all this, basically he's saying their first engagements with them were not good. They, they got their butts kicked, basically, and they would send their Spetsnaz to chase them into caves and stuff like this, and they were, they were getting, I believe he's going to say they were getting slaughtered. They didn't know their weaknesses at that point how they could actually attack them and, and have any kind of success. We lost many combats there. Our bullets often bounce out of them, you know. And they slaughter our soldiers like pigs in mud. They have plasma-based weapons and also use energy spears to skewer our fighting brothers. They used energy spears to skewer our brothers and directed energy weapons. And he said they slaughtered our comrades like pigs in mud. It's an interesting analogy there. We lost maybe 200 men before finding in their, finding a you know, place in their armor where, where we can shoot. Uh, a tragic loss of Russia's fighting men. Uh, how, did you, how did your nation discover a weakness in the Anunnaki? Yeah, yeah, that's during an engagement, one Anunnaki mistakenly wounded another. And uh, a Russian survivors of this battle captured the wounded beast and took it to Mezgori. So they, ca they captured one if you didn't catch that. A top scientist tried to interrogate. And it got wounded by friendly fire. So I guess, I don't know if it got left behind. They captured it and they took it back to Russia to uh, study it and, and to see how it could be killed. But no luck. We could not understand their language. They speak in chirps and shirts. So if it they, they, they couldn't understand them. They, they speak in chirps and clicks and 
exactly like the Predator. If you think about, if you've ever seen that show, that's how it communicated. And it, it would have been impossible for any um, human to communicate with something like that. Understand us, it never let us know. Since interrogation not possible, we do best next best thing, science. So, we expose the Anunnaki to extreme heat, extreme cold, acid, even though it took poison. Nothing worked. So they exposed it to everything. Extreme heat, poison, extreme cold, nothing worked. Finally, after many months, we discovered two weaknesses. Acoustic weapons of certain frequencies. Acoustic weapons of certain frequencies, because I don't know how much of this you're getting. Um, that's one of the things that they could use to kill it. Cause Anunnaki much pain and make them fall to the ground. Also, they can be killed by energy-based weapon like a laser, a 10 kilowatt laser, powerful enough to vapor a single Anunnaki. And this happened, uh, that test subject died. So they finally vaporized the thing with a 10 kilowatt laser and that killed it. Unfortunately, these weapons right now are large and must be vehicle mounted. They're large and must be vehicle mounted. They, they, they have not developed a handheld version of these, so it must be, it's almost impossible to fight hand-to-hand -hand with them, um, which is a huge disadvantage. Training troops with handheld versions, but right now these are only strong enough to stun the smaller Anunnaki, but certainly not all. So the handheld versions they've got right now are only small. They're, only, they're, they're so small that they're only strong enough to stun the smaller of the Anunnaki because there's different sizes. Do you know how many encounters have Russian special services had with the Anunnaki? Yes, yes. Uh, seven that I'm aware of. This does not count the recent bombings of Anunnaki enclaves in Syria. You say oh, bombing. just so you know, this just went up on April 4th. So this is pretty current, this interview that we're talking about here. April 4th. So this is very, very up-to-date information. Bombs in my mind are considered conventional weapons. Yes, yes. A special ordinance developed by Ministry of Defense. I do no technical schematics, but in addition to, you know, explosion, like the, the weapons release energy pulse on detonation that damages Anunnaki brains. Well, if that being said, and that, if that's true, then Putin should have no problem wiping all the existing Anunnaki off the face of the planet. If only it was so easy. Anunnaki have unique form of transportation. They use portals, which only they can see. So they have a unique form of transportation. They use portals, which only they can see. So it's like a basically like a mini Stargate, which I've talked a lot about. Only they can see them. It's in, it's in a range of, of sight spectrum, uh, nanometer spectrum, that they, only they can see. So we can't see it, and they have a big advantage. They can jump into these things and, and totally escape, and it's like they just vanish. Teleport instantaneously from one, one location to Which another. reminds me a lot of the show They Live, which they had the same way to portal out of an area. They had these, I think, just the, the people, whether they were humans or whether they were the actual, like, say, Anunnaki of the uh, They Live show. Uh, they could, they could literally spontaneously create a portal, 
that um you know where they could teleport out right away if they see the attack coming they can strike back and this has happened or they can vanish through a portal and reappear somewhere else maybe thousands of it's a huge tactical advantage in all the other words miles away we speculate that the portals of fixed location instead installed by the Anunnaki in previous years and we have no idea how many of these portals are on the planet be millions for all we know and even back to their homeworld and now, they don't know where they're actually going whether they're teleporting back to their caves whether they're teleporting teleporting back to um, this, this n- n- planet that's supposedly orbiting Nibiru and again that's you can't verify that I'm not going to be dogmatic about that but you know and based on what you know where is that Russian intelligence believes the Anunnaki are natives of the 5th and 7th planet of Nibiru system the 5th and 7th planet of the Nibiru system this brown dwarf star that's supposedly coming toward us um, the planet of the crossing and um, what the bible may be referring to as wormwood how did Putin or whomever with the Ministry of Defense come, come, or you come by that information. They told us so. Some clarification is needed here, Strelnikov. Earlier, a few minutes ago, you said communication with the Anunnaki was impossible. Uh, that being so, how was this information delivered? Yes, in, in that statement, I'm referring only to the captured one, the captured Anunnaki who would not or, would, or could not communicate. But like I said, we had many engagements with these evil creatures. Sometimes ago, we, after we killed nearly 200 of them in a fight, an Anunnaki emissary reached out. To so, in other words, after one... The, the, he's saying, listen, you just said that you couldn't communicate with the one you'd captured. He says, yeah, but after we killed the one engagement where they killed like 200 or whatever he said of the Anunnaki, they suddenly had an Anunnaki emissary appear out in front of, like, where Putin was and want to see him, right? I mean, I think that's what he's going to say here. President Putin and offered him an ultimatum. He all offered Putin an ultimatum, the Anunnaki did. Now, this one could communicate with Putin. This time he spoke perfect Russian. <laughs> where did this contact happen? He was a Russian Anunnaki. It materialized near Ministry of Defense headquarters and demanded to speak with Putin. Very tall, four meters, translucent skin, phasing in and out of existence. Mike, um, I'm out of time for this today, for this talk. Uh, no problem, Astronikov. You do not uh. know how grateful I am to you for sharing with us this incredibly important story. I hope that you will agree to chat with me again, as there's certainly a lot more information about the Anunnaki to cover, and I would like to... Just when it was getting good. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, so we've got that. Uh, crazy, crazy stuff here. Now let's go ahead and play the last video. Putin warns of GM superhuman soldiers that are worse than uh, nukes. This is Putin warning about it. It's the Honda Dream. This is RussiaInsider.com. Okay, so this is Putin speaking before, I believe, um, some schoolchildren. 
genetic engineering will undoubtedly open up incredible opportunities in pharmacolo pharmacology, new medicines, altering the human genome if a person suffers from genetic diseases. Alright, that is good, but there's another part of this process. What does it mean? This is a short video. It means that humans acquire the capability to get into the genetic code, which was created by nature, or as religious people say, by our Lord, capital L. Like Jesus? What practical consequences can this entail? It means, we can already imagine it, not so much theoretically, it is already possible to create a person with desired features. Yeah, like the movie Gattaca, where you went in and basically ordered your designer baby, and the people that were looked on were the ones that were like the free breeders that actually had children the old-fashioned way, the way, you know, God said be fruitful and multiply and procreate and not have test tube babies in laboratories. You're not going to be able to... But the only the... the um, slave class basically had kids that way and it was frowned upon in that particular um, environment this may be a mathematical genius this may be an outstanding musician or it can be also be a soldier an individual who can fight without fear or compassion mercy or pain super soldier you are, are you aware that humankind may and most probably will enter into a very complicated and very demanding period of its existence and development? Who still talks like this as a leader? And what I have said may be more terrifying than a nuclear bomb. then we should do something, whatever we may be doing. Let me repeat this once again. We should never forget about the moral, ethical foundations of our work. Whatever we should do should benefit the people, make them stronger, not destroy them and, destroy, and basically destroy their genetics, create Nephilim. This is exactly what I would like to wish you. Thank you very much. I mean, you know, I've played you several clips of this guy. And, I mean, I've been very, very impressed with what I've heard. I'm not saying I'm, you know, like Team Putin and, I, and he can do no wrong. But I'll tell you what, man, he's... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Just look at this teaching. Look at the full body of what I just covered. From Trump to Putin to our own government to Syria. And, I mean, man... <laughs> We're not on the side of righteousness here. Our government is not, and nor have they been for a long time. Nor is the synagogue of Satan. You know, so, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after truth wherever I see it. And, and I mean, I don't, I, hopefully I've presented enough today to uh, give you a pretty good indicator of what's going on here. Now, I'm going to have to go to bed here because it's like uh, four o'clock. It's past four. And uh, my word, I started around six. But I've had to stop it and the add stuff in, and it's just been typical. So I'm going to go ahead, stop this, hopefully maybe do the last part tomorrow, and then try to get it uploaded, but then I've got to check all my emails. So hopefully I'm hoping to get this up by tomorrow night.
where you'll finally be able to hear it, and um, we'll go from there. So God bless you, and we'll see you in the uh, sixth and final part, but I won't be recording that till tomorrow. God bless you.